Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, episode 63. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and just like Theresa May, I too think that the UK is far too tolerant of extremism and that's why I'm voting against her and her party on the 8th. Ah, fuck. Fuckity fucking fuck fuck. I shouldn't be starting yet another podcast full of sadness at lives lost in another fucking pointless terrorist attack. This week's episode was going to be a mini pre-election booster to send you off to the polling stations with a kick in your step and the possibility of hope that while it will still be a conservative win, it might not be an amazingly big one and really that's still a win for the left because after years of abject defeats, seriously, my bar is now really, really fucking low. But instead of all that, some unbelievable terrorist arseholes senselessly murdered seven people and injured 48 others in London Bridge and Borough Market on Saturday night. And I love those areas of my home city, and I regularly pop by Borough Market to eat as many samples of things as possible in order to basically get a free lunch because there's no way I can afford the food there otherwise. And until Saturday, the biggest crisis in Borough Market probably would have been someone complaining about a lack of almond milk. So it hit home really hard to hear about it now being the scene of several stabbings and a vicious hit and run but despite this attack and despite absolute twat pumpkin Donald Trump calling out Mayor of London Sadiq Khan for telling people not to be alarmed because yeah you fucking idiot oh apparently it's more leaderly to tell everyone to panic as fuck yeah Jesus for fuck's sake the terrorists were dead within eight minutes so the reasonable thing to do is to tell London to be calm but I suppose President Trump's never been the leader of somewhere that isn't in constant panic so what on earth would he know anyway after all that London very much carries on. I mean, even to the extent that a third reported attack on Saturday night in Vauxhall turned out to just be a completely unrelated stabbing because, hey, even London criminals are resilient in the face of terrorism. That's right, terrorists. You can try all you like, but Londoners will never stop stabbing and mugging each other for their own fucking reasons anyway, so take that, you unbelievable shitters. These sorts of events make you proud of the absolute strangest things. I mean, I found myself rejoicing at how many people commented on how on earth anyone could manage to drive that quickly down London Bridge, a road usually congested worse than one of those cold-filled heads in a Lemsip advert. 
In a speech on Sunday morning, Prime Minister and early rejected blueprint for a human, Theresa May, said that we cannot and must not pretend things can continue as they are, which sounded a lot like she was doing Labour's campaign work for them. I mean, she has been Prime Minister for nearly a year and she was Home Secretary for six years before that, so if our approach to dealing with terrorism needs to change, then she should really leave as it was her approach and it was shit. Even though a campaign suspension was announced, Theresa May's speech sounded quite a lot like it was capitalising on the moment by setting out her government's four-point plan, which included longer jail sentences for terrorism-related activities, which, you know, will go great with the overcrowded prison system we have, and further nods towards banning encryption, which would, of course, just make it much easier for cybercrime to occur. Since the year 2000, there have been nine counter-terrorism laws created in the UK and about 100 statutory instruments. And let's be honest, it seems pretty clear that those wishing to commit awful acts of terrorism aren't really that bothered about how legal they're being. You sort of wonder if it's the right approach. It's also quite something for the Prime Minister to suggest new laws after she said the Police Federation were crying wolf overcuts in 2015. And while the Home Office announces it may now not publish a report into the foreign funding of jihadi groups. It sort of makes her new laws pledge feel like an offer to fix a leak by turning a tap off while your home is flooding due to a fountain from under the sink. Even former Conservative Downing Street strategy advisor Steve Hilton, who is the sort of man who looks like it'll only ever take him two seconds of chat before he tells you what he did at the gym that day, even him, Brexit backing, Fox News presenting him, uh, even Steve Hilton, who previously gave full-on classic awful Tory advice to pig boy Cameron, Steve Hilton is blaming Theresa May for this and saying that she should resign. Even him! I mean, calling for her to resign just three days before an election is a bit pointless, but I suppose it would be the exact reverse of how she became Conservative leader in the first place. In his speech after the attack, Labour leader and official Japanese mascot for garden centres, Jeremy Corbyn, said police must be able to use whatever force is necessary to stop terrorists. So I guess that includes frictional, gravitational spring and Jedi if required. And many were quite surprised by this very primary colours statement after last week's Question Time Leader special, which had audience members shouting at Corbyn as he said that he would be cautious about using nuclear weapons. What? I mean, how dare he not want to kill millions and millions of people and irreparably damage the planet? What an arsehole. Doesn't he understand that to truly be leader of Great Britain, you have to be as self-loathing as the rest of us, where we honestly couldn't give a shit if we all die horrifically because, hey, life's crap, as long as someone else far away has suffered as well. It's not that we don't think about other people in the UK, it's that we do, but only when we can assume they're having a much worse time than we are. Conservative MP Craig McKinley has been charged for overspending in his 2015 election campaign. He is, of course, innocent until proven guilty, but if he is charged, he could land one year in jail, which, being a Conservative MP, translates to about five minutes of jail and a fine he could probably pay with what's in his pocket. McKinley says he questions the police's timing of this charge, which, I mean, yeah, how dare they accuse him of being fraudulent in an election during another election campaign where he's still trying to get people to trust him. Ugh, how selfish of them. And President of America and atomic kumquat Donald Trump has decided to pull the US out of the Paris Agreement on account of him being unable to promise to reduce his own gas emissions. Ha! No, but seriously, it's actually really terrifying as the US are the largest polluters in the world and now it won't be making any attempts as a country to reverse the impacts of climate change. Trump said he was voted in by the people of Pittsburgh, not the people of Paris, which is problematic as he doesn't seem to realise that they're all on the same planet, nor understand that the majority of votes in Pittsburgh were for Hillary. Do we just pander to this idiocy as a planet and make lots of UN agreements now happen in Pittsburgh just so that he'll sign them? Or does the world risk him pulling out of the Treaty of Berlin because he thinks his unfair Germans get treats instead of him? 
France, Germany and Italy made a joint statement deeming the Paris Agreement irreversible as decided in 2015 and this wasn't backed by Theresa May in the UK who instead just told Trump over the phone that she was rather disappointed in him. You know, like you tell a puppy you shat on the carpet again rather than someone who's trying to plunge the world into an endless smog death. On the plus side, I guess this does mean we may now all die from a rogue tsunami before Trump manages to accidentally nuke everyone. And I know what I'd prefer. That's right, neither. And if that wasn't enough Trump ball for a week, he managed to respond to the London terror attack by tweeting about more extreme vetting in the US, trying to suggest the UK should have more guns, and attacking Sadiq Khan personally for thinking fast on telling people not to be alarmed. Though I think Donald is probably just jealous that other people are able to think fast without it causing brain bleeds. Still, it's all okay because Theresa May will now definitely leap to Sadiq Khan's aid any minute now. Or now. Or now? No? Okay? Now? No? Now then. Still no? Ugh. Hello you, thanks as always for being a Parpol Bro Pod listener. Um, can you believe 63 episodes in I still don't have a good name for you? Um, PPBs? No, that sounds like bees made of urine. Well, I'm open to suggestions uh, for names that is, not we insects. Thanks for listening, and this week it is just a mini episode, as unless you're an immediate Tuesday pod listener, aka an alpha we insect, I really can't stick with that, can I? Then this episode is going to go out of date quicker than, well, a very popular date salesperson, uh, or more likely go out of date quicker than these shows usually do. So, super quick ask for the reviews on iTunes, please. Uh, please donate to the Patreon or Ko-fi, K-O-F-I accounts, please. Uh, it's at Bro for both. And also a big thank you this week to Red Online, who listed this show as one of its five recommendations for best podcasts to listen to pre-election, which is very nice. I mean, it seems to have had absolutely no effect on the listening numbers, and I'm pretty concerned that with a title like that, they don't think you should listen to this show post-election. But hey, who am I to complain? I'm very, very chuffed to be there. Uh, also, a very quick plug again for the election night gig I am running at the Phoenix in Cavendish Square on Oxford Circus on June the 8th on election night. So if you're in London that day and kicking about, please come along. It's Josie Long, Marcus Briggs, Doc, Johnny and the Baptist, Granny McGuire, uh, Bilal Zafar, Bishop Ali, loads of good acts. Um, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. We just want a really nice night to get us through the evening. So please grab tickets to that at phoenixcavendishsquare.com. Right. Very quick, as I said, all the admin done. This week's show, there is no interview. Uh, what there will be is sadly more... Oh, so sad. More sad comments on terrorism again, uh, because there's no fucking choice. But it's going to be quick, uh, because last week's chat on police cuts still very much stands. And and one of the proper terrorism experts got back to me. I'm going to hopefully have them on in a couple of weeks to talk about it all a bit more thoroughly. But look... Mostly today's show is a summary of election stuff so far, a few of my own shiny shiny thoughts and a new jingle to leave you marching to the polling station on Thursday with with slightly less pessimism than you had before, but only slightly. But first, as always, a very, very quick bit of this. At the time of recording, we still don't know a lot about the motives behind the attack on Saturday in London, though we can hazard a guess. ISIS have, of course, claimed responsibility in the way that I bet they only support a football team after it wins the league. However, what we do now know is that in 2015, then Prime Minister with his face like a fresh blister, David Cameron, authorised an investigation into just how extremist groups in the UK were being funded. Ha ha, let's all make a joke about how it's due to all the millionaire donors that pay them. Ha ha, Tories are extremists, hardy ha, funny. But no, this was a proper investigation into the funding of jihadist groups in the UK. The Lib Dems insisted they do this, actually one of the things they did in coalition government, and they did this uh, in exchange uh, for them then backing the Conservatives, extending airstrikes into Syria to attack ISIS. And that is probably the world's most extreme version of shoot first, ask questions later. Except 
18 months later, there is still no report on the funding of UK jihadist groups, even after all the recent attacks. The Home Office says that this is down to it having very sensitive contents, which is also how I refer to myself too. I have very sensitive contents. And they also say that a decision on whether to publish this report or not would be up to the next government after the election, which is quite convenient. Its sensitive contents are likely to be a lot of finger pointing at Saudi Arabia, who are already known to fund a number of Wahhabist mosques in the UK. Wahhabist? What about it? Well, Wahhabism is sort of a very full-on version of Islam that Saudi Arabia operates under, where they insist on a literal translation of the Quran, probably because, you know, you can't do it as a picture book very much. Most Sunni and Shia Muslims denounce Wahhabism. Uh, Most Muslims all around the world denounce Wahhabism as it's really extreme, but it is Saudi Arabia's state-funded religion, and in the UK, it's often been the case that mosques that teach Wahhabism are the ones with links to extremists. But the problem is, it's the finger pointing at Saudi that is the sensitive bit in this report, because Theresa May was only there visiting in April, and the UK have sold them over £3 billion of arms since they started attacking Yemen in 2015. Conservative MPs have also received nearly £100,000 of gifts from the Saudi Arabian government since then too, including luxury food hampers, which feels all the more shitty considering the amount of famine occurring in Yemen since the attack started. It's a bit like the high priest from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom sending his buddies packs and packs of love hearts. Yes, that is a very specific reference. You're right. Both Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn and Lib Dems leader Tim Farron have been putting pressure on May not to suppress the report, but... What do you want to bet that if it comes out at all, it won't be till way after June the 9th? What, you don't want to bet anything? Oh, well how about a drink? And no, I'm not offering you a drink Saudi Arabia style, that doesn't mean that I'm dehydrating someone somewhere elsewhere. With the news that South Thanet Conservative MP Craig McKinley has been charged with electoral expenses fraud, many, many questions spring to mind. Such as, could Al Murray have been the proper MP for the South Thanet area if it hadn't happened? Or, far more importantly, why on earth the Conservative Party are talking about scrapping the serious fraud office? I mean, if you want to make people trust you as a party, why insist on closing down the one department that investigates how corrupt things are? If you think people not being able to prove you're doing anything wrong means you aren't doing anything wrong, then, well, you're right, because that is how the law works. But it's also what the Serious Fraud Office was set up to do, so it could prove if you were. Now, the Serious Fraud Office hasn't always done its job to the fullest. An investigation into false accounting during arms deals with... Wait, wait, guess who? Guess who? Who is it? That's right, boom, Saudi Arabia again. They're big time, this podcast. A big investigation into false accounting during arms deals with Saudi Arabia was dropped in 2006, probably because, well... Saudi Arabia, as we've already established, but leading lawyers, and aren't all lawyers leading, isn't that their job? Leading lawyers have warned May that if the serious fraud office closes, it will ruin a number of ongoing investigations, as well as affect working with other agencies such as the US Department of Justice, and it will make the UK much, much less effective at tackling fraudulent crime. The Serious Fraud Office has also brought in £6 million into government through deferred prosecution agreements where companies pay fines to avoid prosecution. But Theresa May wants all of the Serious Fraud Office to just become part of the NCA, the National Crime Agency, where fraud would be lumped in with all the other crimes and probably wouldn't have the same budget or care and consideration. There is something hugely dodgy about trying to brush under the carpet an agency whose job investigates much under carpet brushing. I mean, what next? Burying the Land Registry, eating the Food Standards Agency, hiding the Forestry Agency so you can't see it for the trees? Hmm. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Elections over here. Elections over there. By the end of this week, we're either going to have a Conservative government that is likely to be a smaller one than May anticipated, a hung parliament with negotiations to see who can be friends long enough, like when your parents had to take the arsehole kid home from school as well as a favour, or it's 2017, so let's be fair, something completely unexpected might happen and aliens could invade before Thursday, or due to a spelling error, a squirrel could end up as Prime Minister, leading a party consisting mostly of ducks and one very confused-looking bear. Who really knows? I certainly don't, and if I did, I'd have put a bet on at the bookies and got all rich on June the 9th like it was 1955 and future self just handed over the grey sports almanac. Of course, this whole thing was meant to be an election about Brexit, but Brexit hasn't really come up much except as an excuse as to why you didn't turn up. And hey, look, I'm okay with that normally. You know, you were meant to meet me at the cinema? No, I'm sorry. Brexit. Oh, why didn't you make it to our wedding? Oh, I wanted to, but you know, Brexit. That is fine. But sadly, though, the person that's been using Brexit as an excuse this past week was the Prime Minister Theresa May, who avoided last week's televised leaders' debate because she was too busy with Brexit negotiations. It's funny that. You'd think if those Brexit negotiations took up so much time, you wouldn't call for a snap election in the middle of your negotiating period. Jesus. And instead of Brexit, of course, this whole election has become a battle of personalities between a woman who doesn't really have one of those and Jeremy Corbyn, who's gained quite a confident character in the campaign weeks, but he still won't say if he'd press the red button if necessary, so he's lost some support. I mean, come on, guys, how can we trust someone who doesn't want to watch extra Glastonbury coverage or the outside courts during Wimbledon? What is really evident is that Theresa May called for a snap election assuming it would be a rollover with a lucky number, but none of the Conservatives seemed to bother to check if they had any of the required balls. Yes, that's got a double meaning. Their manifesto wasn't planned in time, it wasn't costed, and it targeted some of their core voters. May hasn't turned up several of the debates and only given public talks when the public aren't really public and they've been specifically invited then be told what to ask. And the horrible events of the past few weeks have mainly shown up just how shit she was at being Home Secretary while the fact they had a snap election at all after promising not to said quite a lot about them in the first place. Through UK parliamentary history, more snap elections have gone wrong for those than called them than have gone right. 
1923, the snap election called by Conservative Stanley Baldwin resulted in a hung parliament. Baldwin then resigned and the first ever Labour government came to power. But Baldwin did then become Prime Minister two more times in life because, hey, sometimes you just can't get these things right first go. 1931, the Labour Prime Minister Ramsay MacDonald lost a snap election after his government split over dealing with the Great Depression. I'm guessing some of them probably said regular exercise works best and the others said there was no evidence for that, probably. Anyway, the Conservatives then took over and Labour lost 80% of their seats in a proper seat-stealing smackdown. That's a lot harder to say than you might think. 1951 snap election had Clement Attlee lose despite holding it to increase his government's majority. Winston Churchill then became PM again. Then in 1974, Edward Heath's snap election to try and get a mandate against the miners' strike resulted in a hung parliament. And then a Labour government, which is basically the exact opposite of a mandate against the miners' strike, so backfire ultimato. Only three snap elections in 1955, 1966 and 1974 went mostly the way they were intended, so what can we learn from history? Well, probably only that there's every chance Stanley Baldwin could be Prime Minister again on June the 9th because he just don't know when to quit. While I would love to see Theresa May absolutely fail in every way, I'm not sure that that is going to happen entirely. But if she's called a snap election and that doesn't get an absolute majority with more than they got in 2015, that's 306 seats, fact fans, then will she be forced to resign anyway? Or will she just not turn up in the first place and get replaced by Amber Rudd? If people want a change, are they still going to vote for the Conservatives who've been in power since 2010, generally cocked up loads since then but mostly blamed immigrants for it, and now say they'll go through with Brexit but no one knows how or more importantly why? They've run such a poor campaign that there's part of me that almost wonders if they want to lose this as they've backed themselves into such a tight corner with Brexit, the only way out is to be forced out of it as someone else takes over and does their corner sitting duties for them. I mean, would a leader who really wanted to win avoid so many debates and have such a shit manifesto targeted at elderly people and refuse to even defend the London mayor against abuse from the US president? Couldn't she have just said fuck this and quit seven weeks ago and saved us all the hassle if that is the case? I suppose it does make sense that Theresa May is the sort of person that if she meant to lose intentionally, she'd probably cock that up and do a U-turn. You should go out and vote Did you know that goats can vote? You are much better than a goat So hey, you should go out and vote Hey, did you know stoats can vote? But hey, let's go back to goats Do you think if goats had votes That they would vote for someone with a moat? So hey, maybe goats can vote But hey, you're much better than a goat So hey, you should go out and vote So hey, you should go out and vote Go put a little cross in a box Go put that cross next to someone you want So hey, you should go out and vote But Hey, you're much better than a goat. So hey, you should go out and vote because hey, you're much better than a goat. Go, mm. vote, yeah, go, Ooh. vote. But despite Labour being further in the polls than expected and Jez's media appearances being much, much stronger than expected, people are still put off by Corbyn leading Labour because what if they can cost their policy and things start to work in the UK again? And then what on earth are we going to shout about on Twitter? Labour have been super savvy with a manifesto people actually seem to like, and while the IFS has criticised some of the costings, mainly because it's partly based on hope that tax avoiders will be haunted by three ghosts on June the 8th and actually gain some morals, yeah right, but the fact is, at least it is costed. The Conservatives' accusations that Labour believe in a magic money tree is undercut by the fact that A, technically apart from £5 notes and coins, money does come from trees and it's made mostly of cotton paper, so there, have that in your stinking face, uh, that B, I mean with quantitative easing, that's essentially a magic money tree, and C, the Conservatives won't even reveal where their magic money comes from or how much of it they're going to use, uh, even though we know it's all likely it's millionaire investors who are going to sway policy as a result. Also, for most of this election campaign, a large difference has been that most of the Labour Party have managed to pretend that they're actually a team. 
Well, apart from candidate for Barrow and Furness, John Woodcock, who's publicly said that if Labour win, he'd demand they need a new leader. Because what better time to ask for a new leader than when someone has just done really well leading the party? Though to be fair, that might not be Woodcock being negative about Corbyn, and I suppose it could just be that he really, really loves the now annual tradition of a party leadership contest. And hey, we're all going to be sad that there isn't one, right? No. There's lots to say that if Labour did have a different leader now, the Tories would be even lower in the polls and Labour might be racing even further ahead. But at the same time, May probably wouldn't have called a snap election if that had been the case in the first place. Plus, anything other than the very supposedly left wing but not actually that left wing manifesto might not have cut through public conversation in the same way. Who really knows? I mean, if you dislike Corbyn, you might look to the US and see how Trump won despite being the outsider. If you like Corbyn, you might look to Macron, who really is also nothing like Corbyn either. But there has been a spate of the outsider doing pretty well in global elections. And even if Labour don't win, but do better than expected, that gives Corbyn enough reason to stay on as party leader, which would no doubt please John Woodcock no end, as who else would he want to invite to his traditional event? I'm going to be surprised if UKIP survive the night now that the Conservatives have stolen all their best material, though if the Conservatives don't do as well as they thought and Labour do rise up, it might give UKIP a reason to stick around, you know, which is always a shame. They're sort of like the barnacles of the political world in that they hang around leaving nasty scars, but no one likes them and can't wait for them to just fall off and die. I have no idea how the Lib Dems are going to do. Uh, it seems their call for a second referendum has done them more harm than good, as Brits seem very clear now that Brexit is going to happen. The Lib Dems have truly underestimated the British value of just getting on with things, even if they're hugely damaging. Yes, yes, my car does appear to be on fire, but I mustn't be late for work and I don't want to make a fuss. The SNP are likely going to keep majority in Scotland, but look set to lose a few seats, possibly due to making this election for them about yet another independence referendum, because due to years of a Conservative UK government, some Scots think they might have to live at home a while longer. And the Greens will likely keep Brighton and possibly even get the Isle of Wight too, but it is hard to say now that Corbyn's Labour seems to be appeasing Green voters as well, which really the Greens should like, as it's far more energy efficient for one party to do it all. Saying that, the environment hasn't really come up much in this election, and hey, I suppose, why should it? I mean, it only affects absolutely everyone. Neither has the possible threat of automation, although I'm sure that's because if May had to pick a side between robots and humans, her programming wouldn't allow her to pick the latter. And security has, of course, taken a much bigger centre stage at this election campaign than it would have done if the horrific events of the past few weeks hadn't occurred. So will the fact that Corbyn's possibly got previous connections with a terrorist group from 30 years ago make a difference? Will the fact that May possibly has connections with people who fund terrorists now do it? Will it just make everyone think, oh, fuck it all, how do I vote in a squirrel? Resulting in the 2017 snap election, electing Henry J. Nutsworthy as leader with his cabinet of ducks and Tony Bear, who sadly eats his party leader in 2018, causing another snap election to occur. I don't know. Uh, but we will. We will know soon. So please do go out and vote on Thursday. And if it's after Thursday and you're listening to this thinking, ha ha, he got it all wrong as we sit under Chairman May's new strong-handed regime where we disconnect from the world entirely in one fell sweep and the first Hunger Games is hosted by Graham Norton in November. Who knows? Go and vote. Do you have opinions? No, I think they taste bad. I think that you mean onions, yes they're disgusting, hey that's an opinion, hooray for onions, hooray for onions. Uh, I know it's a bit cheeky to just put personal opinions on this podcast, but it is my podcast and let's be honest, all of it is a personal opinion. And if you haven't figured out by now, um, you 
I, I mean, I, I'd be amazed if you're surprised uh, that I'm voting Labour. And let's be honest, I've got a few reasons for doing it. One is that my local MP is Catherine West and she's been brilliant. Uh, I really like her. I think she's done good things for the area. I like everything she's voted on in Parliament. And I think this is going to be a fairly strong Labour area. So, um, you know, I'd be silly not to. But also, also... There's a number of reasons why I'm voting Labour. One, I'm genuinely impressed with the manifesto. Will they be able to pull it all off if they get in? I don't know. But I do like the fact that they're trying. I like the fact that it's a different opinion. I like the fact that it's positive. I like the fact that it hasn't just all been, oh, well, the Conservatives are bad at this. It's actually been, no, we are going to do this, which makes an incredible change. The last sort of seven years of politics have been incredibly negative. And there have been so many negative events. And finally, you have a document that says, do you know what? We're going to do something and we're going to do something better. I mean, not that I should compare this to the Trump campaign, but if you looked at the Trump campaign, all the promises were very, very hollow. They were build a wall, you know, we're just make America great. And it didn't mean anything. This Labour manifesto has actual promises in with ideas of how they might do them. And as I said, they might not be able to do them, but it's that hope that is genuinely inspiring for once. And especially for someone like me, who at the age of 36, I still can't afford a home. I can barely afford my rent. Um, and it makes me really quite scared at times. You know, I am. Um, really thinking about becoming a parent at some point but at the moment if uh, we have a kid they'd probably have to live in a bath uh, I don't know where else we'd put them uh, me and my wife did a did a, a, I think it was right move and it was working out what we could afford on the salaries we have and it came up with one property and it was a garage in Hanger Lane I don't, I don't want to live in a garage I don't want to be I don't want to basically take over a car's living space and then live near this sort of horrific motorway road that even Dante couldn't have come up with uh, in today's world but Anyway, so there's housing, the education, the tuition fees. I'm still plagued by paying back my tuition fees. Um, the policing cuts have really come uh, to fruition. And I know uh, people that work in the policing area and I know all of them are really angry with how much has been cut. And I know people in the fire brigades union who have had, there's like 10,000 fire brigade officers have gone. You know, it's ridiculous. And, and above all this, above all these horrible cuts and austerity that's been proved time and time again to be absolutely useless, um, um, you know, the, the past seven years are clearly not working for anyone. And this government that we're in now are the same ones that were in before. Um, and also, above all that, I fucking hate May. She's just awful. She's just really fucking awful. I mean, even that, you know, I made some probably quite unfairly cruel jokes about her originally about being like Cruella de Vil. But the more this election campaign's gone on, you're like, why are you not even trying to dispel that? And I, I know some people don't like Corbyn, and especially, I think, uh, the earlier part of the year, and I think there are some dodgy things coming up there. You know, the anti-Semitism in Labour has never quite been uh, dealt with. Um, you know, the IRA connections, however they go, they're still not being definitive answer. I don't know. Uh, you know, I think that, God, the Tories have done awful things. with the. Uh, you know, they've had connections with the IRA and other things as well. Anyway, but look, all that, even if you dislike him, he's still the least shit shit. He's still the least shit shit. Whatever he is going to be is not going to be as bad as five more years of May uh, ending encryption, fucking up the Internet, um, you know, just absolutely creating a very authoritarian area and driving us headfirst into the worst possible Brexit we can. So that's that's why I'm going to vote for Labour on Thursday and then I'm going to spend Thursday night just fucking hoping for something better than we have now because I'm a relentless optimist. And either way, I'm going to have a lot of whiskey. So, uh, you know, if I wake up on Friday and it's awful, my hangover will probably be worse and therefore take that off my mind. So anyway, that's my own thoughts. Um, I, I'm always keen to hear yours. And, you know, it's that funny thing. The older I get, uh, and I, I talked about this in my Edinburgh show this year, but I had a, a good friend 
point out to me when I was complaining about Brexit, uh, she said to me, you know, the they're not wrong opinions that other people have. They're just different opinions. They're just different opinions to yours. And while I do think actually, no, some are definitely very wrong, but I'm trying to take into consideration why some people might feel differently about other things. We've got a very divisive world at the moment where if you're voting for a party different to someone else, then they're wrong and you're right and or you're wrong and they're right. And it shouldn't be that way. We've all got our own reasons. So look, if you've got different reasons for voting for someone else, uh, you've got a couple of days, send them to me, let me know. Uh, and holy shit, we'll uh, hear you all in a new UK. Right, and that is all for now and for Partly Political Broadcast under this government. I'm going to be back next week with thoughts on what on earth did or didn't happen. And if it's really bonkers and my hangover isn't too horrendous, there may even be a mini episode out on Friday. Um, do come along to the election night gig at the Phoenix. I promise it's going to be brilliant fun. And if you do come, uh, come along and say hello. Uh, just give me a shout. I will be around, probably drinking quite heavily. Um, I'm also going to have various bits and pieces coming out over the next couple of days, including a video of a chat I had with Josie Long um, about uh, housing in Labour's manifesto. So I'm going to post those things up on the Partly Political Broadcast Facebook group or the Parpol Bro account on Twitter. And as always, you can drop me a line about anything on those sites or via email at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also review the show on iTunes or Stitcher or at the site of the Raymond Review Bar, which is now actually the Box Soho. So I'm not sure you can review things. I think at the Box Soho, you just have to confine them, perhaps. Um, and don't forget that if you have excess monies that you just need to shed, I know you're out there. I know you're out there, rich benefactor, one day. Um, then please donate to the show monthly at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro or a one-off at ko-fi that's ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro thanks as always to ACAST for hosting the show to my brother the last skeptic for the beats my other half at pro wrestling for reading through this shit when I ask her nicely and to the conservative government from the 13th of July 2016 to the 7th of June 2017 for making this show so so much easier to write because you've been so terrible bye this week's show was brought to you by the letter X, which I shall be writing in a little box on Thursday, like the world's most minimalist pirate. Hmm. So hey, you should go out and vote, but hey, you're much better than a goat. So hey, you should go out and vote, because hey, you're much better than a goat. Go. Hmm. Vote. Yeah. Go. Ooh. Vote. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.